Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and my co-host, Paddy Mann. Morning, Paddy. Good morning. Hi there. So in recent episodes, we've been talking about how to recruit A players into your organization. And on a few occasions, we've mentioned how you can use your company's core values to help with this process. Reviewing a candidate against your core values can be a really effective way of answering the question, how well would this person fit into my organization? But in many organizations, core values aren't well defined or aren't really being used. So in today's episode, we're going to take a deeper look at core values and how they can help to de-stress your business. Tomorrow, we'll then look at how to define core values if you don't have any, uh, or if you feel like the ones that you do have are not really being used. So let's start off, Paddy, with what are core values? What do we mean by that? Cool. So when we talk about core values, what I'm thinking about is the behaviors that I want people in my organization to display. Um, I guess behaviors, is, it's a bit of a an HRE term, it's a term you get familiar with when you're defining your core values, but it's kind of like, how do you expect other people to act when they are faced with a decision? Will they favor being fast or focusing on quality? Um, It's those little nuances where you go, there are some things in our organization where we uh, would want ourselves and our team to act in a certain way. And by having this kind of defined as a set of core values, you've got something which you can all refer back to and use as a kind of a guiding principle for the team to say, this is something that we believe in. This is the way that we act. And it's not, it's not that you're picking up on something that you'd expect everyone professionally to do. So you could have a core value, which says we are ethical and we, you know, don't do anything illegal, but you expect every company really to be um doing that at least in in the west of our maybe other countries where it's a really valuable core value but if you expect that to be a kind of a, a ground rule the core values are the things that kind of help you define where you are slightly different or where there are essentially places where it might not be intuitive for everyone to go in a certain direction and, and you say but for our organization for our people this is the way that we want to go yeah, and I think if you take that example of um, sort of uh, following the law or ethics or whatever, I think it's it's probably less about um, location and country and so on, and uh, more about industry in my experience. Like, I think that uh, there are certain industries where it's a weird thing to say, oh yeah, we're ethical and f- follow the law, because it's so common that that's the, the standard, right? Um, and I think what you essentially lead to is like, it's got to it's got to be different to what you know it's got it's got to be significant in that space like it's there's no point in saying that you know let's say that you make uh, windows for people's properties one of your core values it would be pointless to say we make windows or you know we make sure that windows aren't broken like that is the bare minimum standard for anyone in that industry whereas you might say that in that, that industry there's been a tradition of uh, hard selling and being pushy and so on. And perhaps the core value for that particular company, different to others, is actually that, you know, we, um, uh, that uh, our value is that we, do, we don't apply pressure and, you know, we're, we're more consultative or whatever. Like, and it's relevant depending on the area um, in the same way that there are certain industries or whatever or individual markets. And you kind of mentioned um, uh, sort of 
geographies there, west, east, etc. I think I think actually doesn't matter as much. But there are certainly individual countries and industries within countries where that is more the norm. Um, so you know we've we've had the fortune of as consultants working with lots of different organisations around the world where in some cases we've seen pockets where like bribery is just a standard practice of yeah. of business. Um, and so people within that area, I mean, we hold a, a very high eth- uh, set of ethics and, and legal expectation within uh, our companies, more, more so than, um, the, than most. But the, uh, at the same time, like we've, we've had to deal with in the past, a defence that's put forward by leaders of, oh, no, this is just standard practice. And so I think that's the key, right? When we're talking about core values, it's what is different versus the standard practice rather than just listing off 10 things that you'd expect anyone to do in any job anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, and probably you sort of kind of illustrate it with a few uh, examples. As we talk about the ethical one, the one that jumps into my head is um, uh, Uber. Now, I I don't know what their core values were written down as, but most certainly there was a core value being displayed um, and the higher reaches of their organization, which was basically grow at all costs, and yeah. being ethical did not need to be a part of it. And that was uh, instrumental in you know the decisions they made, the way that they hired, the way that they approached new markets. Um, I, I, as I say, I, I, I don't know uh, what they had defined. And sometimes you kind of have this, these behaviors which are more kind of uh, built in. Um, but that was certainly a case where you did have an organization who was going uh, in an unethical way. And if they wanted to then uh, address that and to say, this is no longer what we do, um, then setting the core value to say, in future, we always do the ethical thing would actually be valuable because you're making a significant cultural shift from from the kind of the status quo in that organization. Right. And yep. and of course, you know, there we're talking about um, uh, ethics as a, as a core value. But typically, that's not a good value to use within most organizations, right? Because as you say, it's generally, it's a bit the standard. Um, and it's interesting that without having defined core values, often, um, you or, or at least having them written down, they still exist within the organization. And I know that, you know, one of the most common values that we see in organizations that don't define them and don't work on them and so on is a value around like staying late and you know being the last one to leave and you end up you know with all those things we'll, we'll talk about some of the examples of uh, the stress that not having values or having poorly defined values etc can cause but give it give us some examples of great uh, core values and how they they've been used in organizations to, to bring a positive benefit cool so i'll, I'll pick a, a couple of the uh big organizations have got uh, one I particularly like is Amazon uh, and they've got somewhere between five and nine core values. It's normal to, to pick around five and some companies only have three, some make uh, a longer list. Uh, I think Amazon at the moment may, maybe have nine, but two of them that kind of jump out are customer obsession and hire the best. I'll say particularly the customer obsession. It's that one which you can really see resonate in how they've approached the market and every business that they go into they are really laser focused on how do we make the experience for the customer really great and it's not just going onto the website it's essential that the thing that you order arrives really promptly and so they focused on how could we actually get to the point where you receive it in two days or one day how could we get to the point where we're over delivering so you get the surprise of it arriving 
uh, later that afternoon when you were expecting it tomorrow and the impact it had. And for those of us that are big fans of uh, Amazon, or at least used to be, it was that kind of thing which made a huge, huge difference. Now, in a lot of organizations, if you want to make that happen, then it, it has to come from the leadership and the leadership has to kind of almost get involved in all these projects. But by defining it as a core value, as a guiding principle, it means that Jeff Bezos doesn't need to be in, in every meeting room. He has equipped the team with a, basically a decision-making principle, which is, is this uh, going to be a great experience for, cu for customers? Is there anything we can do to make this a better experience for customers? And it doesn't matter that it might take longer. It doesn't matter that it might be a little bit more expensive. They've defined it. That's our core value. It's customer obsession. So I really, uh, I really like that one from Amazon. Yeah, and a nice example I, th I seem to remember of hearing how that's used is that, um, that within their meetings they would, uh, and I don't know whether it's all meetings, but certainly uh, many of their meetings, they would set up a, an empty chair that would represent the voice of the customer um, so that they... You know that, that they can point to and refer to and imagine like yeah actually imagine that all of our meetings have got the customer at it uh how would they you know how would they rate what we're saying if we're having a conversation like would they be speaking up going that sounds like it's going to be worse for me or more expensive or whatever it is and i think that's an, uh, just one tactical example of how you take a core value and actually implement it in the business right because there's no point in just having a set of core values that are on a powerpoint slide or on a poster on the wall you have to then work out where, are you, how are you going to implement this in everything that you do, and you know every every process, every uh, way of working, your communication channels, your recruitment, your onboarding, um, you know your performance management processes. How do you put those those in? And I think that's a nice example. Like um, perhaps uh, give us another example on like how then it works out and how it could be used. Cool. And so I'll pick another famous example, uh, which is um, Meta, as they've now been rebranded, uh, used to be Facebook. And there's a kind of before and after story here. So the the original kind of value, which is well known, is uh, to move fast and break things. And so this was uh, Mark Zuckerberg essentially going, we need to be first to get out there and become the biggest and it's better to get a product out there which is buggy but can deliver some value rather than to um wait uh, and potentially be beaten by the competition and not be learning about um you know the wider value that this can have for the customer so they they built that in it was a huge you know a facebook focus and it's one of the things that helped them to grow to be one of the biggest companies on on the planet now, more recently, that's changed. Can't remember exactly when. It's before they got uh, renamed to to Meta, but they changed that direction and said, actually, now our values are to move fast and to focus on long term impact. And the reason that they needed to change is essentially they started to get this kind of conflict of going, actually, it doesn't work anymore for us to be releasing products which are not quite to the standard. There's such a huge volume of customers. Uh, existing customers that are going onto the tool that have certain expectations and would lead to certain levels of support that taking that same approach doesn't doesn't work for us and so they've adapted it and they've got the the new ones which is still they'll still want their teams to move fast but they want to focus on the long-term impact and it's a really clever one because it's not kind of um just kind of thinking arbitrarily okay this is the new direction but it's basically setting a new path for their existing employees and then you know they've got tens hundreds of thousands millions of employees i'm not sure 
Um, but up to this point, all of those employees have had it drilled into them that they need to move fast and break things. And so by setting this new value, they're setting this really clear new path where they need to focus on making sure that it actually works in the long term too. And that's that's where just these kind of the three, five, seven core values can make a real impact as to clearly communicate the, the direction and the way that you want people to be making decisions at all levels of your business. Yeah, and I, I really like that as an example of how it may change over time, although the time periods we're talking about are typically long. You know, if you're, if you're changing core, some of these core values on a really regular basis, then you haven't got them quite right, I think would, would kind of be uh, the, the situation because, you know, frankly, you should be recruiting based on these values and, and so on. And what you don't want to be is recruiting people in January based on one set of core values, fundamentally changing those values in June and then again in December and so on. And, and as a result, you, you're not able to, to recruit and manage that. Whereas, as you say, like a fundamental pivot in their approach um, was was necessary. It'd be interesting to explore whether um, whether a better defined value up front would have avoided that, and whether or not um, whether or not actually move fast and um, deliver long term impact would have worked from the beginning rather than move fast and uh, break things. It's interesting. <laughs> I think about Facebook in particular, and I don't remember it as being particularly buggy in the very early days, but definitely remember it buggy in more recent memory. <laughs> um, uh, and so, uh, so I wonder whether it was less of a problem then and, uh, and became more of an issue later, right? But uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. And so, uh, so th those are some great examples of large companies using it to, uh, as as part of theirs. Again, in terms of like. How are they then used day to day and so on? And, and perhaps, you know, either bring another example or let's talk about how some of those core values, how do they actually end up used? Yeah, so I think if we if we look at our own core values, so we've got five core values mm -hmm. uh, and they are focus on impact. So we're expecting our employees uh, always to be thinking about the, the impact and we're talking about the impact for uh, for our customers, but also the, the impact it will have for the team and the individuals and the business, not just focusing on uh, output or yeah. quality or other internal yeah. metrics, which uh, certain teams can get get hung on. So we're all about focusing on the the impact as a uh, as a team. We've got being proactive uh, and dependable. We've got paying attention to detail. So our uh, quality standards in everything we do are pretty pretty high and that's something that helps dif differentiate us in the market we've got always looking to improve so we're looking for people that are uh, really focused on their personal development and bringing those lessons to the team and we've got enjoying the journey which is a huge one um, because it is saying that we are here for the long haul it doesn't work to be constantly chasing deadlines working late not having holiday and so uh, myself and Alexis were both um, parents of young families and we put a high premium on the quality of life and time that we get outside of work and we've uh, and at making sure that you know as we look to build our businesses that we are enjoying it and not just looking for a happy retirement and so we're trying to reflect that that uh, value we have with our team so they get the same enjoyment and prioritize it uh, and know that actually we will have their back when they do things like um, finishing on time and yeah. uh, taking holiday, which we will actively encourage rather than uh, uh, rather than um, uh, well uh, suggest otherwise. Uh, I hear, hear from other companies, you know, uh, 
people worried about taking maternity or paternity leave and we mm. go very heavily the opposite direction and uh give a very generous and equal um uh, amount of time off for both both sets of parents because it, it's just built in and it gets the way it's then used is it's it's built into our recruitment process so it's built into what we look for in the people that we hire the people that also share these values and will value what we're giving them and we will value what they give to the the company we use it in decision making and like for enjoying the value as i say it affects our decisions on whether or not we expect people to work late or the weekends and what well, one thing that we learn is it's not enjoying the journey doesn't mean clocking off exactly um no. five o'clock every day sometimes you enjoy working a little later getting something over the line and it's about understanding uh understanding that we build it into the way that we do uh meetups and the way that we frankly do do everything we also build all of our values into the way that we review our employee performance mm -hmm. and so once every uh quarter we do a performance review and we essentially reviewing against these five uh, five things is like a key part of that review um, and so we're we're looking at have you been focused on impact have you been proactive and dependable have you been paying attention to detail are you always looking to improve have you been enjoying the journey and if generally we're looking that people are excelling in uh, three or more of those areas and yeah. at least okay in two of them and if we get into a position where someone is essentially underperforming if someone is going against one of our values we will start managing that immediately. We yeah. will highlight that that's an area that's got to improve. And if it comes up more than once, then we're going to start be start to talk about um, the process for uh, a performance improvement plan, essentially, which which you can look at as two ways. We the first time we did it, we actually imagined this was going to be managing someone out, but actually mm. they we've had repeated examples where people have then understood just how important these are yeah. and they have learned from doing the performance improvement plan and, and adapted but it's a huge game changer for an organization versus um, many small businesses that don't have it because they get stuck in a position where they have employees who are they're not underperforming so much at their core job that mm -hmm. you feel you can remove them but they are conflicting with you and constantly grinding against you and the team and it causes a lot of pain and you can see that as a uh, when you look at the team level that everything isn't working as well because of these core individuals when you've got your your core values defined in this way it suddenly becomes really easy to go ah it's because you're not always looking to improve mm -hmm. and that's something that is important to our company and therefore i can manage on it and I will put you on a performance improvement plan and see if we can deal with it. It's it's incredible. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's uh, that's a good summary. I think it's um, we'll we'll co we'll cover in separate episodes. Uh, one, how to create the values, and two, how to do performance management really effectively, and uh, including uh, managing and assessing true performance because I think we've we've got some um, uh, some fantastic processes, but a great lessons learned uh, there. Um, but I think in terms of the as you say, like how the, how they're used and how they're implemented and everything we do, I think it, you know it's worth highlighting without getting too deep into how you create the value. But it's worth highlighting, like when we define the value. It, it, yes, it's setting out the behaviours that we're expecting, but it's based on fundamental beliefs. You know, it's um, uh, in the same way as I think, as you know, you mentioned that one of our core values is paying attention to detail. The belief at the core of that is that we will move faster and enjoy the journey more when we do things 
right and uh, and don't introduce bugs and, and mistakes and so on. Whereas if we said, oh yeah, we move fast and break things, we, we might move, we believe, we believe we'd move faster in the short term, but potentially slower in the long term because we'd then spend so much time having to fix things later on. And I think that's, that's a, an interesting challenge because I think some might look at our business and say, because of some of our core values, including enjoy the journey and paying attention to detail, um, you could argue that we'll move slower than other businesses. But our belief at the core is that actually long term we move faster because we don't burn people out. People are happy. We attract, you know, we attract awesome talent. We believe that your mental, when your mental energy is at its highest, you're able to work smarter, not, not harder and longer. And as a result, you deliver great things. And when you pay attention to detail, you don't introduce bugs and issues that, that, that cause these problems later on. And I think it's important to, to understand it's like you have some beliefs that you're and and then behaviors that you see you know the behaviors of the the visual or the you know obvious demonstration of of those beliefs and i think as you say you know using it as part of our recruitment using it as part of our uh, uh, uh performance management but also in every in in pretty much every process we have we have some way in which um those things are exhibited and, and our policies as well like you mentioned uh, how our leave policies around how much holiday we give, because in fact we haven't mentioned that. Like we we give forty days holiday, um, and but in, but crucially we make sure people take it right. Like because we're all about enjoy the journey, and that's one example of how our core value is actually demonstrated day to day. You know, we know at various points when we've made these sorts of decisions, we've looked at other businesses. Um, particularly in the last few years that have have said, oh, we give unlimited holiday as an attractive thing to go to them. But we know from speaking to people in those companies and and, uh, and so on that they don't make people take it. And so the, and the reality is when you give unlimited, you don't track how much people take. And as a result, you don't get the, you often don't get the desired result, which is, you know, you want people to take a decent amount. Whereas you know, we make sure that people take it because we believe our fundamental belief there is that it results in happier, healthier, smarter, more switched on employees that deliver great stuff. And, and it's just a better thing uh, for us and, and so on. So I think, uh, you know, we've talked about some some examples of, you know, what, what great examples of core values look like and, and how you can use them. If values aren't clear within an organization what stresses would we see what would be the impact of not having clear values you know we mentioned before like values exist in your company whether or not you've defined them but you know what's what's the problem if you haven't got them set out yeah so we could probably kind of blow up you know what would happen on that enjoying the journey one if mm myself and Alexis had contrasting views. So mm. uh, Alexis uh, believes heavily in the need to enjoy the journey and that it's fundamentally better. And it's not just better because it will lead to us being more successful as a business, but the guiding, you know, what he wants to get out of the next 10 years isn't entirely about making money. It's about sure. giving himself a, an enjoyable place to work. It's about the people that he hires having a great life and giving back to the world in that way, as well as, as exactly the, right, kind yeah. of the output. What if at the same time, my value was unicorn or bust. I, I wanted to make sure we get to 
uh, $5 billion uh, and sell for a huge amount. Uh, I want to... Um, uh, yeah, if, it, if you, if you felt like the... Effort. Yeah, if you felt like the ends justifies the means, like if you, if your value exactly. was like, kind of doesn't matter how you get there. The important thing is you get there, and and as a result, if you know if some people burn out along the way, that's kind of normal, or indeed, you know, it's like uh, that's that's down to them, and you know, really, it's about one day we want to be in this amazing position. Like if that was what you fundamentally believe, right? Exactly. And you don't have to look far to find a lot of organizations that have this value. Basically, every organization that takes on uh, funding almost gets pushed into this uh, mm -hmm. into this position. But what would happen if we, we were doing that? Well, one, obviously, me and Alexis are not going to have many happy meetings because I'm going to be working every weekend. I'm going to be working every night and he's not. Yeah. Then you're going to look down the, the chart and you're going to find that his team are being encouraged to uh, also reflect Alexis's values, whereas my teams are being told to reflect mine. So you've got the two parts of the organization working in completely different ways. And you can imagine the conflict between those two teams, like the engineers going like, what the hell is happening? We're busting a gut and the sales team are pissing off home at you know, five o'clock on a, on a Friday. What, what are they thinking? And so you get this this huge conflict at every every level, and more than that, uh, given the nature of you know how we operate, I'm going to be talking to to the people in sales, and Alex is going to be talking to the people in engineering. They're going to get these conflicting messages. They're not going to know which way to turn. And when they're making their own decisions, there's no guiding principle. So it could be one, the other, or anywhere in between. And you're just going to have this huge mess. You're going to have this huge amount of frustration between individuals you're not going to be optimized for for either and in some ways based on my beliefs there's a right answer about how you should do it but there are obviously very successful businesses operating in the diff in the other way and that's fine if everyone's wor working in that way and understands what they're getting into but it doesn't work if you have this mix and it's not clear that's where you get employees kind of getting home because they're really really stressed because their values around getting time with their family is not being reflected in the company, but it's not made clear to them when they're being hired or during a lot of their meetings that that's just the way that the company is going to be forever and that they could find a different company with better values for them um, if if they are not in that alignment. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think, as you say, when you illustrate it with, with an example of two different teams that are living different values and how that conflicts. I think that that draws a start um, uh, example. I think another example that that um, I've seen within our organisation is where a um, a newer member of staff, typically, who um, uh, particularly based on previous experience, often based on working with a previous employer, exhibits behaviours that previously they would have been rewarded for or, or that would have been encouraged or expected and that actually are in contradiction with our values and so um, at the very least they don't get any pat on the back for it or that they actually get negative feedback on it so an example right you know, I've been talking about enjoy the journey so I'll pick that um, as an example like someone who w uh, demonstrates some working at the weekend working late you know all those sorts of things and and our messaging and make it very visible that that's what they're doing and not that they're doing it 
because they're loving a particular task. Because sometimes, you know, we all do that where you're kind of like, you know what, I'm, as, as you mentioned earlier, like I'm working on this project, I really want to do that. But that they're working on just, you know, business as usual and maybe even showing that they're stressed or tired or whatever. And that at previous organisations, they might have even been encouraged or awarded, right? They'd have been like, oh, you know, well done. I can see that, uh, you know, Tim has really been breaking his back over the last... Uh, over the last week, you know, he's working every weekend and, you know, never takes a sick day, barely takes any holiday, like, whoa, workhorse, amazing, well done, Tim, here's a raise, here's a promotion. And so, you know, that Tim in that situation comes to an organisation like ours with a different set of values, exhibits the same behaviours and gets no reward and, in fact, in our organisation, would get a message from team members and their manager saying, um, you know, you're right, like, uh, I'm a bit concerned this isn't enjoying the journey and that you're you're working outside of that. And in fact, it would get picked up on a one-to-one, not only because we'd be worried about the employee, but because we know, for example, that if you send messages at evenings and weekends and so on, um, it's likely that it causes others to then have to work outside of normal working hours, which means that they're not enjoying the journey because they're then hopping on to deal with what they might perceive as an urgent query. And I think that typically we would then address that. And I myself have been a perpetrator of that uh, uh, in the past. Um, sometimes I've caught myself and immediately apologised. Sometimes I haven't and it's been picked up for me by others. And as a result, I go, yeah, no, you're right. I did that and I'm sorry. And that's out of line with our value. And this is what I'll do in future. And I think when you have those, if you don't address it, like if you haven't got it set out, if you haven't said this is what we expect and this is what we expect in terms of behaviours, it's then very difficult to deal with that those behaviours, right? Because if as the manager I just felt like, ooh, that's not great, how would I provide that feedback? Like it would just be a personal preference and that could feel quite unfair. The employee might feel like, well, this is how I work. Um, so I think having those those clearly stated makes a huge difference and of course reduces the the stress and, and so on. So let, let, let's take an example of how you know if you're using them well. Like what does it look like when, when things are going well and that uh, you've got clearly defined values and that they're embedded in the organisation and so on? Huh. I'd say the, the, the easiest way to know that you've got it right is when you've got it right, you will know it. you've got it right. If mm. you are looking at your list of values and you're just going to go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if we're really using them, then trust me, at this point, you're, you're not. You're not yeah. When it's done really well, then you will see them uh, not just kind of mentioned in the recruitment process, but being actively used as a way that you are assessing which candidates uh, move forward to the next stage and which ones do not. It will be embedded into your performance uh, process so that you are being rewarded uh, for following that and being picked up again where not. It will be a case that if people go directly against those core values, that it does lead to feedback in one-to-ones. It does lead to people sharing that concern, not just ignoring it, however important that member of staff is. Um, and ultimately, it would lead to uh, the employee exiting if they were unable to 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 address it. That's how important and fundamental it is. And, it, and when it's done well, it's just baked into mm. um, every decision. Often you you know you kind of you start with the those kind of performance processes, those ways of giving feedback when it's not working, and then through doing that, it bakes its way into uh, into everything else. The way you approach meetings, one to one, uh, one to ones, meetups, uh, every every project, uh, you know, enjoying the journey, it will affect our deadlines and everything else. It it makes that much of a difference. So if you're doing it, uh, if you're doing it well, 
you will know it. If not, then I do recommend sticking on for the, the next episode where we look at how to get uh, core values defined that really do resonate for your team. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And of course, when it is done well, it makes management easier. You know, what we've seen is that the team, to some extent, um, self-manage because they will, like on our you know daily huddles, when people are sharing wins, they'll recognise each other in ways that link back to our values. You know, the highlighting, like, oh, yeah, it was really, it was really great to see this person take uh, three weeks off, which is their longest holiday that they've ever taken. Or, you know, it's really nice to see um, someone help, you know, this person helping out uh, someone else when they were they were sick and that made it really easy. Or, you know, thank you for helping me. Or linking to something else, like paying attention to detail, saying, oh, you yeah, know, um, this person did a really, really good job of making sure that they'd got everything I needed when I came to work on this task, which meant that I didn't get blocked and I was able to work more quickly. And, um, you know, essentially catching people doing right is something that we would encourage managers to do, you know, catch people doing things right against your values and highlight them. And what I love is when I can see team members doing that too. And on the flip side, providing those redirects when they see it not happening, when they see someone working late or whatever, mm-hmm. and like, um, or, uh, or not being focused on impact, like providing that challenge. And suddenly the company just works smoother and people aren't, you don't have the friction between them and all that kind of stuff. So I love that. So, you know, in, in today's session, we've, we've covered why having company values is so important and the the impact that it has both on um, managers, leaders, the business, but also on inter-team relationships and, and even individual relationships and the, uh, and the stress and, and the power of, uh, of having those. Uh, on our next episode, we're going to be sharing a simple approach for defining your values because this is often an area that's tough. Um, we'll also provide you with some specific tips on how to embed these in your organization so they actually get used. So uh, make sure that you stick around uh, and uh, subscribe and so on so that you can join us for our next episode. Now, as regular listeners will know, we also run a weekly webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. It's typically every Wednesday at 1pm UK time and you can find out more and register for the next one at www.emmanuel.co forward slash webinar. And a final note for uh, anyone listening on our podcast on social media, we do need your help. If you found the content today valuable, please take a minute just to repost it, share it with other people, like it, subscribe, uh, leave a uh, an honest review. This will help get the podcast to get more visibility and ultimately and allow us to help more people which is uh, is what we love to do otherwise until next time have fun